0: Hey, this is Andy Jenkins and I'm actually recording from my office. Now, half the time I record this in the kitchen. Sometimes I'm downstairs in the tiny house, which is absolutely a mess right now. And then half, that's too many halves. I just sit down in the office. And so what I'm doing this week is talking with a, a new friend of ours. This is Carol Bevel. and she is actually a coach now we'll broaden the terminology of what a coach is here's my assessment of it is you really wouldn't think about taking the sports field unless you had a coach but often people jump into the game of life and they're trying to tackle their finances or improve their fitness they're trying to make something in the area of their family or relationships or uh, any other thing even even their faith work but they just kind of get stuck and it might be helpful at some point if you simply call in an expert. And so what I've done is try to demystify all of that and bring some experts to you on the podcast. I'll get back to some of the one-on-one things where I'm just talking, but this one is with Carol and I was trying to figure out like how to term this um, because my, my wife Beth reaches out to Carol, they're friends on social media and She looks through this and half of Carol's things have to do with faith and half of them have to do with fitness and the other half, and I know that's like three halves have to do with like both. And so I don't know if I should pitch you as a fitness coach or a faith coach. They're both areas that we talk about. They're two of the seven, but you came in here in biker shorts because you've been fitness coaching. But the first thing I see out is like a faith book. And so, let's talk about all of it. Okay. So, thank you for for coming over. Um, But, okay, talk to me about the biker shorts because, like, you just came in from Lifetime?
1: From Lifetime, yeah. So, I um, have been a cycling coach the whole of my professional career. Started out as an actual cycling coach. And then, somewhere in the 80s, yes, I just gave away how old I am. But, somewhere in the 80s, a thing came into being called spinning. Yeah, yeah. And I was recruited um, to do this. At first I thought it had something to do with yarn and explained to them that I don't do crafting. And then they said, no, it's a new cycling coaching thing that's coming out of California for indoor training.
0: These are on like, uh, the stationary
1: stationary stationary bikes, bikes. but these are like
0: High end, high end Because my stationary bike that I'm used to is when I grew up going to Sears on Friday nights mm-hmm. with my parents, and you've got the little tension cable, and you, you know. And I'm like, I can't see the wind
1: bath, yeah.
0: But but like what you guys do, yeah. Some of me had the wheel that was a uh, mm-hmm. was a fan, but what you guys do is.
1: Yeah, they're on a... Completely different. Yeah, they're on a bike that's designed with a weighted flywheel to have the feel of resistance from a road bike and gears. Yeah. But you go in there and you do an hour-long class. And so I've been coaching indoor cycling classes, like I said, since probably the late 80s. Um, Was a master instructor for um, Greg LeMond for about 10 years. Oh, really? Yeah. You
0: coached Greg LeMond? Well,
1: I went, no, I was one of his master oh, coaches. Oh, one of his
0: coaches. So
1: he hired me to go around the country and certify other people to become cycling instructors. And um, so, yeah, I've just done it all of my life, and it's my happy place. Um, I've been a personal trainer and a nutrition coach as well, but cycling, that's my passion. That's that's my personal Thing that I love to do, and um, Lifetime will tell you, for years I never even clocked in for the classes. Just go not. to
0: your own class <laughs> and just work. Because
1: I, I just, I mean, it was sort of like my. You know, they call this healthy way of life hour. Yeah. And I was their personal trainer and their nutrition coach, and so when I got to go into the cycling room to teach a class, it just felt like my break
0: time. My break time. Yeah, you were going yeah. to do something Very that you were going to do anyway. It. Yeah. Gosh. Okay. So. So obviously, the cycling thing is your passion. But I've got this book right here that is completely different. I'm going to put links to these in the show notes where people can see these. They can dive off and buy them. Um, This one is about claiming your identity. This looks like a faith book.
1: It is. It's a 21 day not cycling.
0: Okay, tell me nothing
1: to do. Tell me about this
0: one, and then I want to make the leap back to the new book, which is on. This one is about faith and that's a Bible
1: study about rooting your relationship with food and wellness. Okay. Into God first. All right. So let's pull,
0: let's pull the blue one, the okay. old one.
1: Yeah. So, so we've got the
0: fitness element. Let's go to the faith element. Okay.
1: So um, what you don't know is I was raised Jewish, and I came to faith at the age of 40, and um, was pretty silent about my faith for various reasons. Um, but then I guess about five years ago, um, I was in Arizona with my father who was passing away from kidney failure, so I had some time with him.
0: Jewish father. Um, Jewish father. Okay.
1: And we were just talking and he asked me why I was so silent about my faith. It wasn't my nature. He said, when I go all in for something, I'm all in. And that he was hoping he never was an obstacle to my being open about my faith. And I told him that it wasn't. It was just not something I was comfortable with. But in that conversation, he talked to me about writing a book and you should write a book. He always said this to me and I was like, No one reads books anymore. You know, there are blogs. But I didn't even realize that at the time blogs were even passe by five years ago. And I got home and was complaining about starting a blog and met a young woman, Alex Brigham, who said that she could design a blog for me. Okay. I started writing for the blog and we were sitting in a coffee shop. She was talking to me about my nutrition coaching, my fitness coaching, my faith. All of these things, and I call it like a Holy Spirit download, I knew in that moment that I was supposed to be anchoring my life first is Matthew 6:33, but first seek the kingdom. And I realized that in my relationship with women over the years coaching them, they seek God first in their relationship with their children, in their relationship with their spouse, in their relationship with money often. But when it comes to their physical wellness, Mm -hmm. Jesus is the last place they go. They look to the world. Yeah, people don't even
0: think of those as being related. Right. Like it's totally disconnected.
1: And I know that it sounds strange, but I sat down um, in that moment. I'm not an author. That's not something I thought (laughs) I would ever do. And I sat down and for the next... it was actually this book, Breakthrough. Yeah. Started writing um, this book about the relationship between our relationship with food, our relationship with body image, and what God tells us. And I just started writing this, and it just started, like, coming through me. Like, I was running to catch up to it. I was being led to Bible verses. That is, a girl that didn't grow up in the church. Like, my husband was even, he grew up in Church of Christ. And he was just like, how... I was like, I have no so idea. So how do you know that? Like, I right. was like, I have no idea. And I just asked a lot of people to pray that, um, it was always pointing back to God and that it was never any kind of self pursuit. And then this was pretty much done, um, this is the breakthrough. This is
0: breakthrough. This yeah. is the diet. and Yeah.
1: It was pretty much done. Um, needed some hard edits and you know, like a go through. And I got diagnosed with breast cancer. And I um, got a a bilateral mastectomy, and I was on bed rest, and my intention was to tighten this up. While you're on bed rest? Yes, and and finish it up. And while I was there, um, my daughter, um, my college-age daughter, came into the room because they were all hanging out with me periodically because I was not allowed off the carpet because the doctor didn't trust me not to do and yeah, he so, thinks you're gonna get on the bike. Yeah, so he's <laughs> like, and I did, and I got in trouble for it. And so by, she, by
0: the doctor or by your by the doctor, family. by everybody. Okay. I,
1: yeah, I, one of the surgical nurses is a member at Lifetime, and she ratted me out. Um, but um, I was in my room, and my daughter was in there, and I type my prayers because I am a squirrel brain. My brain is going a thousand miles a minute, and even when I pray, I start to pray and then I'm thinking about the 27 things that I have to do and then it's like oh wait wait well yeah you're a mom
0: and a wife and a coach and a yeah
1: and so I started to type my prayers because it just allowed me to be intentional and focused about it and so I had my prayers kind of all scattered on the bed and my daughter was like mom you you need to turn this into a book and I was like I'm finishing up a book and she was like this is like you need to, you need to do something with this. And she said, "There's 21 of them." I said, "There are." And she was like, "And I'm, I just finished 21 days of prayer and fasting." with she goes to a different church than we do, and it was like, okay. And I mean, I just this was put together over the course of my recovery. Um, what year
0: was it? Because this is the you are his book. I mean, this is the so yeah. this is the first book was so written second.
1: This came out during COVID has wiped time from me, but this came out right before COVID. So November, so COVID shutdown happened in March. Yeah. So this was released in November. Of
0: 2020.
1: Of of 2019. Okay. And then, um, and then it was just out there. And I set this one completely aside because a publisher picked this up. And, you know, you have to market the book, you have to do all of yeah. this stuff with it. And I just completely walked away from Breakthrough and was like, okay, this was the book that God wanted me Okay, so you are right. his,
0: the, the Aqua Blue book is...
1: It's a 21-day devotional. Written second, but was mm-hmm.
0: actually published first because yeah. it's the 21-day devotional.
1: And it's all about... And this book is really probably for women um, because I'm a woman yeah, and that's a, the perspective I'm writing from. But as a coach in the wellness industry i spend an enormous amount of my time watching women edit themselves out of their lives because of how they feel about their physical presence okay explain that cuz
0: i think you're right on
1: yeah but so, you just
0: said that in a way i never would have even thought of it
1: so if you look at but a lot of it. women they're a floating head in a photograph They're spending an enormous amount of time, money, and energy camouflaging their appearance to make themselves feel better about it. They spend an enormous amount of time and financial resources trying to, quote-unquote, transform their appearance. And ultimately, what's happening is they're seeing themselves through the world, through cultural trends. This body type is in style. This particular look is what people are going for. And they're constantly toiling after these trends, and it's... They're not guarding their gates. The enemy has totally claimed their identity. I listen to women's conversations because you're
0: you're hearing them like when people are vulnerable. Because like, you're yeah, I'm I mean a, like hairdressers yeah. and and gym coaches trainers, like that's yeah. going to be the two.
1: And so you're in that vulnerable space with women where you're seeing their weight on a scale. There are many women over the years that I've weighed. They close their eyes. Like I know the number, but they don't. They don't, don't, want they don't know the number and so i had written this blog post called um you know um god is god is my mirror and jesus is my scale and what would it look like if that's where our identity was firmly anchored if even these deeply rooted christian women rather than seeing themselves in the mirror or on the scale to define their worth actually look to god how does god see me what does god say about me And so the 21 days are, you are his, you are his masterpiece. You are worthy. You are complete. You are known. You are redeemed. You are loved. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Um, You are beautiful. You are his delight. And so... You've been living it. like Because that's
0: the, I mean, that's the table of contents right there. Like, you're rattling it.
1: And so consistently, God is constantly telling us not to focus on outward appearance. Uh But to look at the inner contents of our heart, what not what we put in, but what comes out. And that through that, when we're salt and light in the world, our beauty, his beauty, we are made in his image. We are to be a reflection of him. We are to be a reflection of Christ's love. And the more we become that in our identity, the more we are exactly who God has created us to be delightful, beautiful, fearfully and wonderfully. Because you're just
0: reflecting what was already true that you just forgot.
1: God doesn't make mistakes. He made all of us uniquely individual, and he considers us equally as beautiful. So we don't look around nature and say, we might have a personal preference, but we don't look around nature and say that this tree is less worthy than this tree because of what it looks like. Yeah, or that's a
0: bad version of a flower. mm -hmm.
1: But that's how we look at humans, and that's how we look at ourselves, and that's the enemy. That's the enemy whispering in our ear, and so that's what you are. His was just a devotional. They're about five minutes each morning. It's a Bible verse about how God, what God's truth is about who He made you to be, and then it's a brief little reflection about my journey as being Jewish and as a personal trainer and you know how these verses have impacted me, and then they're almost prayers.
0: And you've got space in here for people to
1: to journal, to
0: write, mm-hmm. um, and it, it's it's not overwhelming. Like there's not
1: no. Most women saying... that buy the book tell me. I mean, I just ran into a woman this morning. I don't know her she came up to me, and she was just like, "I just I just want to tell you thank you." She's like, "Your devotional sits on my nightstand, and she's like, and in the morning, like I'll just get up and open it up and just read to remind myself of my worth." And my identity in Jesus Christ. So, you know, you put on that full armor of God, right? And you walk out into the world. Yeah. You know, rather than walking out into the world, getting...
0: Just exposed.
1: Getting the tar beaten out of you and then running back to the kingdom and saying, okay, fill me back up. It's like instead, no, we don't walk out into the world alone. He goes before us and he goes with us. Right. You know, and he will equip you if you have his word written into your heart. I mean, latching
0: onto these uh, inherent identity traits seems so true. Um, two things. Number one is I I saw a post on social media lately where I, I don't remember who did it, but an artist had portrayed um, by taking photographs of what was perceived to be beautiful in different cultures. Mm-hmm. And it was completely different. Like now, like you just got the average 21-year-old girl or woman and just, just listen to people describe what's beautiful. They did it in the U.S. Mm-hmm. They did it, you know, multiple countries around the world. And it looked completely different. Like same girl, it was culturally driven.
1: Yeah, but that's a reflection also of, of God's divine nature. Diversity is Diversity his language is, is his it. language. But, 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 and, then, but we judge it by our narrow by perspective our perspective. Yeah. Yes. And interestingly, within our narrow perspective, quite frankly, what we determine as attractive changes. You know, when well, that I, was his point. Yeah. When I was absolutely. a kid, you wanted to be Twiggy, right? Or Audrey Hepburn, you know, stick straight, no curves, no nothing, tiny, tiny, tiny. Well, my daughter, my college-age daughter, you know, they're all about more Marilyn Monroe, like hourglass figure. That's what they're all yeah, trying. Yeah, now that's... Yeah, yeah. That's, and so, but where that all leads us back to is our outward appearance is temporary. It's vapor. It's ashes.
0: Well, when it changes, and as yes, you get older and, and you and get... And we
1: trade in the eternal beauty that we are given by God to chase after something that even if we achieve it, even if we sacrifice everything on the altar of personal appearance and worship that false idol from day one to our last breath, it turns to dust. There's nothing of it, there's no legacy of it. So we're building a monument to nothing and every day that you're chasing it, you know I always tell people as a coach before I came to faith, maintenance is a lie. There's no such thing as maintenance because time is moving on. So you're either improving or you're in a state of decline. You can't maintain because if you're doing the exact same thing that you were doing 10 years ago, you haven't maintained. You've just slowed down the process of decline. Yeah. Right. But you're not maintaining. And so that's so true in terms of a faith sense now is that we can spend all of our energy toiling after something that we're trying to grasp water in our hands. And it's just flowing away from us. So wouldn't our energy and our time, wouldn't our beauty increase the more that we reflect our image maker, then become a reflection of what the world deems worthy. And so that's the heart of You Are His. Um, it's, I hope it's. I hope it builds women up. Yeah. I hope it encourages them. I hope that it frees young women from living a life where I said editing themselves out of their life. Where... Mamas want to be in the pool playing volleyball or going down the slide with their kid, but they won't get off of their lounge chair or take their sarong off. So they say, oh, the water's too cold. They make excuses mm-hmm. because they don't want their body to be scrutinized. Yeah, right. um, You know, so they edit themselves out of their activity. How many women are behind the camera because they don't want photographs of themselves? So they have tons of photographs of their husband and their kids, but not of themselves. Or if they're in the photo they're just like a little floating yeah they're hitting, hitting. they're like a yeah, little always... floating head you know? yeah. and and it's just like no that's that's just the enemy stealing your joy stealing your peace stealing everything God created you and purposed you for in this world and don't let him do it draw a line in the sand yeah. with Jesus standing beside you and say no more you will not claim one more inch of my identity my identity is as daughter of the king." And I am his image bearer. And if I am his image bearer, I am beautiful.
0: Okay, so here's what I love about that message is, you know, somebody just listened to that, they might think, well, she's anti-physical fitness. Not at all. But you're, I mean, you walked in in (laughs) cycling shorts. And so that's book number one. And then now I've got right here, book number two Mm -hmm. is, it still has some identity, but, you know, six weeks to demolish diet diet culture strongholds. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is... So let's talk a little bit about that one because I mean I know like coming through COVID, (laughs) there was this big lie going on. I think everybody thought, golly, if we all just ate at home and quit eating out, we would all lose weight. Yeah. Well, we proved that's wrong (laughs) because we all like I gained Mm fifteen pounds during COVID. Yeah. Now it was bourbon driven, Mm -hmm. which is a whole different issue altogether. Um, But let's talk. Let's make the leap because you're you're fit, you're in shape. Um, So the message of Of your identity is not your health, Mm -hmm. is not anti-fitness. Not at all. So let's talk, talk me through that.
1: Yeah. So I was annoyed when I got interrupted because I'm, I'm an athlete and I'm, I'm very compartmentalized and focused. And so when you are his came into being, I was sort of annoyed. I'd spent all this energy writing. Yeah. Second book
0: was written first. And
1: I kind of set it aside. And, but I think it was such an intentional thing with God because Through writing You Are His, it changed breakthrough. Um, I think when I started it, it was originally still one foot in the world and one foot in a kingdom mindset about health and wellness. And I was trying to straddle that fence. And my goal originally was to take the word transformation back from the health and fitness industry. That their transformation, their Tuesday transformation is fleeting. Mm-hmm. And God is looking to in Romans twelve two right to renew our minds and transform our hearts for eternal purposes, and so that was sort of my goal with it. But I think with breakthrough, where I've moved to, where God moved me to, was an understanding that He tells us that we're to be stewards of His creation. Well, we are His creation but we're not to be good stewards of our create of his creation to build ourselves up. It's to glorify him. So he calls us to take good care of what he's given us, our physical bodies. We are called to take good care of it. We are called to not set it above him and we are called to not set it aside. So I always tell people you look at that in in faith terms, right? Legalism and license. And so legalism is adhering to all of these rules and laws, and that would be the diet culture, right? Like, I can control all things. I'm willful. I have willpower. I'm strong enough to do this. And
0: It effectively becomes like a religion. I mean, in some sense, it's even more powerful than that. We'll
1: talk about that. Diet culture has co-opted all sorts of religious language. Diet culture isn't of itself a false religion. It is a false idol because we talk about transformation. We talk about you know, willpower, we talk about um, legalistic terms of rules and regulations, self-reliance, self. all of these things, they co-opted all in there as a sense that you're adhering to a religion. It's not a faith, it's a religion. It consists of rules and laws. And I grew up Jewish. I know what religion looks like. And license, he wants to protect us from that as well. Legalism is, I can earn something through my own works and my own strength. License is setting it all aside. That's the
0: whole other extreme. And
1: in diet culture, that would be restriction binge, (laughs) right? Dieting gluttony, you know, willpower or gluttony, self-control or gluttony, however you want to put it. But God doesn't call us to those extremes, right? God calls us to walk a narrow path. So he calls us to be a good steward of his creation. And he has a lot to say about our relationship with food. And shouldn't we be seeking him first? He designed our body. So doesn't he know how to fuel our body, how to nourish it and be a good steward of it? And right off the bat, I want everybody to know, breakthrough is not a diet. It is not a diet that I'm taking God's word and turning it into a diet. I'm not saying a Genesis 129 diet or in Genesis 9.3. You know, I'm not taking the Bible and applying it to diet laws. Yeah,
0: making a new <clears throat> right. a new set of
1: What I'm legalism. saying is that God has a lot to say about our relationship with food. So, very early on in Genesis, what does he say? He says, "I have given you every seed-bearing plant and tree that bears fruit for you as for food." He says it in the first chapter in the 29th verse. And that was before the fall. And so what has every single nutrition science, where do they all agree, and I don't care what diet regimen you follow, where do all diets that are healthy agree that the bulk of the human diet should come from fruit and vegetables? So that's the first food that God laid out for us. So isn't it interesting that nutrition science has just proven what the creator told us. Right. We function best eating the bulk of our intake from produce, from fruit and vegetables. Then after the fall and death was introduced, he said, I now give you every moving thing for you as food. And so that's your protein sources for people that are interested in macro, right? So um, that's your protein sources. So why do we have to eat protein? Well, we introduced death. So we're now in a state of decay. So from a nutrition science standpoint, what's happening to our bodies is our bodies are decaying and amino acids are the building blocks and they repair our body. So we have to ingest those because our body doesn't make all of them. So those are the essential amino acids. So when we eat protein sources, and again, I have no judgment here. I don't care if you get your protein sources from cow or if you get them from grains and legumes. If you're a vegetarian, it doesn't, I'm not promoting or anti any sort of way that you choose yeah. to eat. Um but we have to ingest protein to rebuild repair and restore our muscles that's what we have to do on a cellular level so if half of our intake is fruit and vegetables and then about a quarter of our intake is protein our body is functioning real well i know macro likes to separate fat as like this separate category but all the fat that we derive comes from the first two groups it comes from fruits and vegetables and it comes from protein sources so, everyone always makes that same face. And it's like. I
0: was processing because yeah. I got a whole book on keto that yeah. I wrote. I mean, so, yeah, everyone that's actually always true. But you get an, avoca- an avocado is a fruit. Yeah, you, you know, get it all for olive,
1: a- olive oil, coconut, coconut oil, corn, corn oil. It's all derived from that. And then, of course, everybody knows that we ingest fat from protein sources, that there's yeah, high, fatty fishes and. There is leaner cuts of meat and fattier cuts of meat. So we're getting our fat. Yeah, from that's
0: actually true. People are going to argue with that, but yeah. that's actually, so we're getting if you think our, about it. We're
1: getting our fat from those sources regardless. And then, of course, he talks about in, in the Bible, in the Old Testament, he talks incessantly. He's always talking about food. And he doesn't demonize food. Um, you know, it's, there's constant talk about dairy. There's constant talk about cheese and Proverbs. There's talk about honey and wine. So there's talk about sugar. There's talks about grain. I mean, bread, um, we can go into the whole way that the diet culture is demonized bread and that Jesus is the bread of life and another conversation, but he talks about all of this food. He doesn't rank it. He doesn't say it's a superfood or it's bad for you. He created this for us and we can eat it. So what does he say about being a good steward? I've given you honey. Don't eat so much of it that it makes you sick. You know, that's Proverbs 25. That's so, just a
0: great Halloween analogy yeah. right there. No, but it's- So
1: I've given you all of these blessings, all of these good things, but don't overindulge. Don't eat so much of it that you get sick. Right. You know, but also don't worry about food. Don't let it cause you anxiety. So where Breakthrough ended up was... Do you experience the fruit of the Spirit in your relationship with food? That is ultimately the question. Because if you're not experiencing the fruit of the Spirit, then it doesn't come from God. It comes from the world.
0: And so, and so for people that are listening in that might not hear that, because about half the people that listen in come from a faith background, about half don't. Love, joy, peace,
1: yeah, so gentleness, the,
0: patience. The first question you're I ask you feeling all good of, about yeah. it. You're feeling at ease. Yeah. So anxiety. the first question
1: I ask everybody is, does how you eat, how much you eat, When you choose to eat, come from a place of love. Are you making those choices because you love the body that you've been given and you want to nurture and nourish it? Are you making those choices because you love the foods that you're about to eat, you thoroughly enjoy them, they're good?
0: Because you should be able to. Right. But most
1: people make their decision about food from fear and from guilt, and from shame. That's how most of us choose to eat. You know, there's a reason there's t-shirts that say, what is it, um, I survive on kale and tears. You know, kale was elevated as a superfood, so suddenly you had all these people that feel like they have to eat kale, even if they don't enjoy it. they don't like it. Do you know what I mean? And so so it's just like, do, do you eat from a place of love? Or do you make choices from a place of fear, anxiety, shame, or guilt? And if that's where you're making those choices, then I can tell you that your relationship with food is world driven and not kingdom driven. That your relationship with food is reliant on willpower, which is going to fail you instead of spirit empowerment, which is going to increase your self-control. So with the fruits of the spirit, the last of the nine fruits is the spirit of self-control. And again, God's word is infallible. There's a reason self-control is at the end of the list of the fruit and spirits because it's one of the most mature spiritual fruits. Well, and you're not going to lead with that. You're not coming yeah. in and going, okay, what do better, the, do
0: better, do better, do better. But
1: what does the diet culture lead with?
0: It It, it, it is self-control.
1: It's total willpower.
0: That is the starting point. Yeah,
1: it is the starting point. you got
0: to decide up. you got to and, man up or woman right. up. And and God
1: gave us willpower. Do you know why? God gave us willpower. And I always tell people, it's like an exhale. It's just a moment where you're confronted with a flesh desire, a desire for something. And it's just enough to turn your face from it to God. So that you can be led by him. But if we dig into willpower, then we are propping up our own strength, our own power. And we're making less of his and so that's what breakthrough is about if you want to not get the body that you might desire but if you want to get a body that is healthy that allows you to have a vibrantly full life you may not look the way that you want to look but i also will never be five foot ten no matter how much i eat or don't eat. but, but I be honest people that. are
0: most people the average person is not willpowering their way to that false image anyway.
1: But that's what they're chasing.
0: Yeah. But and
1: that's the lie of diet culture. I mean, the yeah. reality is, is that in diet culture, so America became enamored of dieting, truly enamored of dieting in the 60s when Weight Watchers came into play. And we have been dieting ever since. And I think most Americans well, we've gotten... realize that our bigger,
0: health and our weight all these diseases. has
1: become worse. The more we diet, the worse our wellness becomes. But yet we never blame the diet. See, that's the big kind of twist, right? We never say keto doesn't work. We say I wasn't strong enough or I didn't have the willpower to stick with it. But now I'm doing this. So when we look, if people are honest and they look at their relationship with dieting, they're going to look back at least all of my clients. I've never had a single female client that hasn't come in and said this. You know, they're either a repeat because they're committed to a diet that they like. So, oh, yeah, I do Weight Watchers. It works for me every time. I've done it six times. So then it doesn't work. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah if you keep going back to it like right
1: <laughs> then it doesn't work or they're what i call a serial monogamist but it's
0: funny how we won't yeah. make that connection Well, i'm doing it six times but yeah. it does it
1: or they're a serial monogamist right it's like so whatever when you ask them how they eat they tend to eat whatever the current trend is so if i was to look at someone i would tell them that you know 20 years ago Every woman was doing weight, every human, men too, were doing Weight Watchers, Nutrisystem, Jenny Craig, or the South Beach diet. Then they went from that and they did Atkins. Then they went from Atkins and they maybe jockeyed back to something prior to Atkins. But then from Atkins, they went forward and they were doing the zone diet. They were doing the fit for life diet. They were doing this, you know, whatever it was. And then in more modern times, we were variations of keto Paleo, Whole Thirty, um, Whole Thirty, and then when Whole Thirty started to falter, people they switched to. Some people did. Um, I think it's called the Plant Paradox with lectins. People went to gluten free. People went to low carb, no carb, low fat, no fat. I mean,
0: and then probably rinse and repeat. We'll be back drinking Slim Fast. Yeah, that's and, where. All, like, and
1: again, no one ever. From the say, no one ever says to, No one is ever worried about diet culture products. Of making them overweight no one's ever worried about indulgent things they're just worried they'll ask you questions like I don't eat carrots or bananas I don't eat like they're more worried about those things and that's just diet culture mindset it's just taken our thoughts captive about food and at best at best it's a decent diet that isn't damaging our health but it's damaging our emotional well-being yeah You know, because if we're living a life between legalism and license, between restriction and binge, then we're a hamster on a wheel. That's all we're doing. And if you honestly look at your weight, chances are you've gained and lost the same 10 to 20 pounds the whole of your life, just in a repeat cycle. So how much time, energy, and financial resources have you dedicated to it? So... What breakthrough is? It's a Bible study. It is not a diet. I don't stand in judgment of how anybody chooses to eat, and I used to. Like this has been something that's transformed in my heart. I used to have a lot of opinions <laughs> about the way that people most coaches ate. do, right? And and that's been transformed in me. And I understand that it doesn't matter to me if you were to look at me today and say I love keto. And I go through the fruits of the spirit questions with you because one of the fruits of the spirits is, of course, right, that self-control, that consistency. Yeah. So consistency is not I've been doing it for three years. Consistency is not I've been doing it for five years. Consistency is you are never not doing it and you're never not doing it without counting, tracking or thinking about it because God told you not to worry about your food. So if you have to do all of those things, that's not consistent. That's willpower you still have to micromanage your food. It's consuming too much of your thoughts. But if you tell me that you're experiencing the fruit of your, the fruit of the spirit with the way that you choose to eat, then I support you a hundred percent because God didn't make you exactly like me and what makes your body thrive may not make my body thrive. And so the only people that I ever really see that with that haven't, haven't, done restriction binge or on are generally people that choose to eat plant-based or vegetarian mm-hmm. because that tends to have um, other meanings outside of weight loss right. for people. And so they're, they're more anchored into it. But ultimately, if your goal is not weight loss, if your goal is to get to a place with food where it doesn't take your thoughts captive, you don't wake up in the morning what am I going to eat today? When am I allowed to eat? Or if you don't go to bed at night going, I can't believe I ate that. Right. <laughs> you know, if you can put that down, then I promise you, you will start to have a normalized appetite. God gave you all of these things to normalize your appetite. Well, your body
0: works like it's supposed to work when you remove and it does. those does.
1: It does when you remove all those artificial things. Then amazingly, God equipped you with this body that sends you hunger cues. Sends you craving cues, sends you fullness cues, send, you know, tells you that you need to move, get up and move more because you're feeling stiff or, you know, you have yeah. all of these internal things. But God also gave us taste buds and he also gave us dopamine. And so food is supposed to be pleasurable. Food is supposed to be comforting emotionally or joyfully, you know, um, um, Causing, that's a terrible way to say it. Well, no,
0: but you look at the, I mean, you look at the picture of heaven that's in the scripture, I mean, for goodness, all the food that's there, and then every time you see Jesus, I mean, he's, he's generally Mm -hmm. going off alone by himself, or he's
1: trying to, or he's eating
0: with people. Yeah, I mean,
1: I love food. I I love food. I'm a passionate cook. You know, I'm a foodie, right? That's the the term for it. Yeah, Yeah, that's the term. I'm a foodie. I love food. But what I love about food is that food is ritual, it's culture, it's tradition, it's memory. There's nothing better, you know, when I was going through my mastectomy, you know, people would make me things like matzo ball soup, and I instantly, my pain lowered, like, do you know what I mean? Because that was home to me. That was true comfort. And so food is such an abundant blessing from God, and we've turned it in. We've turned it into this just burden. Well,
0: yeah, and you think he could have made us without needing food. Uh, Yeah, he could have made us without needing
1: food. He also could have made us with no taste buds.
0: Or just fill up like at a gas station. Yeah,
1: no dopamine hit when you eat certain things. Like He could have done all that, but he wanted us to experience the beauty and the pleasure and his provision in a way of this is love. Yeah. And there's nothing that says love more than food, right? Right. And so the diet culture is trying to completely... Like, food is just a chore. Like, you know, if you're a good person, you eat like this. If you're a good person, then you don't, you only eat this much of these things. Like, our worth is totally tied into how we eat, and God's constantly like, don't you think I'll take care of you? Like, do the birds worry about what they're gonna eat? So, why are you worried about your eat? Don't worry about what you put in your mouth, it's just gonna pass through your stomach and exit your body. But he equally says, be a good steward of my yeah. creation. So back to your original question. I think I am not a proponent of healthy at any weight. And I do know that that exists in the diet culture. I do think that the human body under a certain amount of weight starts to suffer physically yeah. from that weight. And so I'm not a proponent at healthy at any weight. I am a complete proponent of worthy and beautiful at any weight. Right. But medically... There comes a point where your weight is going to start, whether it's too low because you suffer from an eating disorder, or too high because you suffer from an overeating or a chemical or hormonal imbalance disorder. Those two things are not healthy, but you're still of equal worth and equal beauty. But the majority of Americans are healthy. Their weight is probably fine. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. They just don't like the way that they look. So I think that most of America probably needs to shift a lot of their focus from controlling how much they eat to moving more. And I know that they work in concert. When you're moving more, your appetite tends to be better. Yeah, and so they do play off of each other. But if we put down the burden of what I call strongholds of fear, restriction, willpower, and breakthrough. When we unshackle ourselves from those things, food starts to occupy its place instead of taking over our every thought. And um, so, yes, I'm, I'm not telling people not to be good stewards of their creation. You have been given this body to fulfill your kingdom purpose. And if your health and your body are getting in the way of you going out on mission for God, whatever your mission field is, mm-hmm. and, I, you know, my mission field is not Africa. My daughter loves to go to mission to, on mission trips. Not me. I like a hot shower <laughs> and a good cup of coffee in the morning. I'm an yeah. air-conditioned girl. So that's not my mission field. God has not called me to that. My mission field is, you know, people call me a fitness evangelist in my cycling classes my social media, my speaking engagements. But if my health wasn't good, if I didn't have energy, if I wasn't fit, then I wouldn't be able to do those things for the kingdom. But it's not to glorify me, it's to glorify him. So I'm not honoring my body. I'm being a good steward of my body to honor him.
0: Yeah, the creator. Well, I think I think you hit on something in the end right there that's very important. That's why, you know, we talk a lot about fitness... In some of the Facebook groups and in some of the posts we make, and you know people sometimes ask why, because uh, most of the stuff I, I write and talk about tends to be grace, uh, finding wholeness, um, people finding their purpose, empowerment, th- those those types of things. And people sometimes ask, well, where why and how would fitness fit in that? And for me, it's really you've given this you've been given this body. so it, it does become a stewardship issue. Also, if you've got this great call on your life and this incredible purpose, it's going to be constrained Mm -hmm. by the temple that you're in. It will be. You know, the ideas that you have, and I believe everybody has uh, some measure. They're called for greatness, for a purpose, to make a mark on the world. They are a unique, unrepeatable miracle of God that is here as a gift. Uh, They give something that no one else has. Mm -hmm. And if they're not as healthy as they can be, which which is d- different for all of us, then that gift that they have, it is limited in what they can share based on, mm-hmm. you can't live your call if you're sick on the couch.
1: But again, that's legalism and license, right? Because if you go to the altar of legalism and you set your fitness above the your- measure wo- you've been <laughs> given. You know, the, the gift that you've been given to go out and glorify the kingdoms, you're yeah. spending so much time right, worshiping at that altar, then you're setting God aside. Equally, if you're not a good steward at all, then your health can become an impediment to you being able to do that. That's why God calls us to walk a narrow path. That's why God calls us to enjoy, but not overindulge. Do you know what I mean? He calls us to that in all areas of our life. And then he says, as we move through our faith, as we move through our life, looking more to him, seeking him more, going to his will more than our own then we will spiritually mature and the things that hold us captive in this world will fade will decrease right more of him less of me and so you know in terms of fitness why has it become so necessary well our culture has changed we are an extremely sedentary people and because we're an extremely sedentary people It has affected our mood. It has affected our hormone balances. It has affected our ability to get a restful night's sleep Mm -hmm. because we don't really need it. We haven't physically exerted ourselves enough. So we now have to create movement. Movement just naturally doesn't occur. My grandfather never had to go to a gym and work out, right? He was a long hauler. He was hauling trucks. He was a carpenter. He was a manual Laborer, right? So he's when, using
0: his body all the time. When
1: his day ended, <laughs>
0: he's, he's, he's falling asleep on the way to bed. So yeah. he doesn't
1: need to do it. You know me, if I don't go to the gym and work out, yeah, I'm on my feet all day because you know I've got four kids. And but if I'm not at the gym, then I can promise you, I'm on my rear end sitting in a chair somewhere you know i don't have hobbies i don't like to garden or you know i'm not out there doing manual labor so we do have to choose to move because we do have to be a good steward and our body needs to move um and so yeah so we do have to create this kind of false environment for movement because we don't naturally we're not naturally in a culture that moves anymore but most people will tell you at least my clients they go on a vacation so they go to europe and they're all panicked that they're going to gain all this weight when they go to Europe for two weeks, but they get to Europe, they don't work out, but in Europe they're walking. Yeah. Like every day all day, all day and they come back and they're like, I ate like I don't even want to tell you what I ate and what I drank, but I lost six pounds Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, because you're not just moving an hour of a day. You're removing yeah, all day. the whole day, you know, so yeah. So I, I don't want anyone to think that I'm against being fit. I don't think that there's anything wrong with being a good steward of your body. I think, again, does the way that I take care of my health and wellness, my fitness and my diet produce the fruit of the spirit? That's that's your check in all things. Is this right with God? Is God first before me? Is God first before what I look like? Is God first before what I feel like? Is You know? Yeah. Um, God doesn't tell us that we can earn anything. He doesn't tell us we have to do anything. We just have to trust him. But he also doesn't want us to just be a lump. He wants us to participate in the, in the process. Yeah, enjoy
0: the journey. All right, so let me recap here, and then we'll sign off. I've got book number one was the healthy breakthrough book but the first book that actually came out was the second book you are mm-hmm. his that's probably the place to start yeah. um, actually you could do them at the same time because this one is a morning devotional or an evening devotional this one is you are his about getting your identity right and letting everything in life flow from the identity uh, you are his claiming who you are uh, because of whose you are and then the book that came out second was that first one that got preempted because you are his was this is why you're grounded Yeah. like during the surgery and the recovery mm-hmm. go back to the healthy breakthrough book six weeks to demolish diet culture strongholds this one's about getting a healthy relationship with what you eat, why you eat it how you eat it and then walking in in peace with that it struck me like as you were saying all of that that I mean in one of the most uh, potentially lethal situations in the New Testament Paul's talking about what do you do when there's food that has been sacrificed to idols as a Christian, do you eat the food or not? And Paul says like his answer is just eat, what's set before you without asking questions. (laughs) You're like, so that's the freedom that you want is you want that kind of freedom. Thank you so much, Carol. I'm going to put the links to these books and the links to your, your blog, to your website, any social feeds, all in the show notes where people can jump on and follow along there. Uh, My prayer for you guys as I sign off is that the Lord would bless you. He would keep you. He'd be gracious to you. He'd make his face a favor to shine upon you. Just echoing, as Carol has shared, that you would walk confidently in who you are because you have been given an identity that is unshakable and unchangeable no matter what the image in the mirror looks like, no matter what the number on the scale says. May you walk in confidence of that and may you, as an overflow of that, find peace in all of the things that you do, that you think, and even especially um, this week as you move and as you eat. Grace, peace. I'll talk to you again very soon. Thanks.